0: You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. Welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. On this show, I interview anyone who has a story of redemption, victory, hope, someone who survived something terrible, usually active addiction. And today I have the legend, Keith Fairman, the god of vape juice, sneakers, memorabilia, Definitely in the, in the hobby, and uh, he's got an amazing story. I've actually known Keith since I got clean, and uh, since he's got clean, and um, you know, I could verify that when he came in with a trash bag, he literally came in with like an actual trash bag over his shoulder. So, uh, Keith, if you want to just uh, tell your story, where you're from, how it all started.
1: Hi, um, my name is Keith. Uh, I grew up in Providence, Rhode Island, up there a real small state i think it's like 60 miles long 30 miles wide um grew up to a ed- mom that did suffer from the disease of addiction i remember it being given away to my grandmother at three weeks old and you know my mom not re- i don't remember uh let me say my grandmother mm-hmm. you know told me about it um my mom being at the door and screaming like i can't do it i can't take it you know uh here here he is um I believe my mom had me at an early age, and she was like 18 when she had me. So I grew up around a household. Um, she had me. Um, I don't know who, who my dad is. Um, she had me. Um, I'm not sure. You know, she was using at the time by any way. Never met your dad. No, by any ways or means to get more. And um, I think she, on one of her hustles, got pregnant with me, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Where. I grew up, my grandmother was the only one in the family trying to uh, be, she was the glue of the household. So she would hold it together for us. My mom would be in and out of prison. Uh, I remember visiting numerous times from like being a small boy at like six, seven years old, all the way up to like, in my twenties, I believe it was her last prison sentence was well. She did a federal, and then she did finally a state in the state of Florida. So all through my life, it was just visiting her in prison, and you know, going in, um, bringing her uh, drugs. She'd have um, parent kid day mm-hmm. in the prison, and her friends would suit me up in my tidy buddies with the, the little pocket in the front that you have and it, i'd put it in there and i'd bring it into her and then like I,
0: what what do you think it was heroin
1: um no uh, maybe sometimes more like she was getting weed and pills through there mm-hmm. um but then i figured out like i knew i had it in there but i never touched it because i was afraid of her but then once i figured out that like she couldn't get at me because she couldn't really get that pissed in prison mm-hmm. it never really made it there so when her friends would give it to me by the time it got to the prison. It wouldn't be there. And, she, you know, she'd come in and she'd hug me and, oh, how you doing, baby? And she'd whisper, pass it off. And, and and you know. <laughs> Holy shit. And uh, there was nothing to pass off. I'd be like, oh, shit, I must have lost it. And she'd be like, all right, God, he's ready to go home now. Wow. Yeah, so. Get the
0: fuck. How old were you?
1: <laughs> uh It started like at, that started about like 12. So. But I mean, it was before that. Um, at three. But
0: mainly, your grandma was raising you. Yeah, my grandmother would raise
1: me, and then my mom would come around. My grandmother, of course, tried to get it, so we had our own relationship. My mother and I. Um, she would give me to my mom. My mom. Um, she grew up. She's like she was a, a butch gay lady. Um, so she'd have girlfriends over the house, and then they'd get in fights. Um, Christmas trees would be shot out the front door at people. She'd get aggravated with me. And I was a real quiet kid. I don't know what I was, do- you know, into at three. She'd like roll me a joint and sit me in front of the beanbag and put on bugs bunny and light it for me and let me smoke it at three.
0: Wow. Um, You're smoking weed at three. Yeah. at Three. I uh, thought I was crazy.
1: And then, uh, you know, it just progressed from there. She'd tell me stuff like, you know, Santa comes to this fucking house. He'll be arrested for breaking and entering, you know? like <laughs> so, so, yeah, it was, was kind of crazy. Um, oh, my God. At the time, I laugh about it now. Um, but the horror, I guess, of. Uh, the
0: yeah, I mean, you have kids now. And I'm yes. sure you it like totally 180s now. Hey, exactly. I mean, it? I
1: could never think of telling my seven-year-old, like, Santa is going to get arrested for B&E if he came to this house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you know what? We all suffer for them, our own demons. And sometimes it's just how it is. It, you know, um, I grew from that. I, I remember like riding around on a tricycle around and around the table. And she was nodding out at the table. And it was a small little kitchen table, circle like style, sat four, And um, I'd have my cat like on the handlebars with me, flying around. And she was like, Kitty, stop, Kitty, stop. And like at the third time, she just stuck out her hand and grabbed the tricycle and threw it at the wall and literally outside the house, because back then, tricycles and toys were made a lot different. They were a lot sturdy. Yeah, metal, and and the wheel was sticking out on the outside of the house, so stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember her getting in fights with um, other girls, and there were other girls that were like crazy, like this lady, Rochelle, I knew. She literally um, shaved all her body hair off. Was psycho. Um, would be in the club with my mother in the gay bars and say, I'm bored and pull out a switchblade and walk onto the dance floor and just start stabbing people in the side, like walking by them.
0: Oh my god! Yeah,
1: and she got in a fight with my mom one time and she called my grandmother and said, Uh. I can't find your daughter. And she was known to Molotov houses. So she was literally like known for this. Um, Light it up, throw it in the window, set the whole place on fire. And mm. she says, um, she called my grandmother. and I was like six. I remember it very vividly. She said to her, um, uh, I can't find your daughter. So I'm coming to kill you and your, your grandson. So my grandmother in like October buried me under a little Volkswagen Beetle in leaves and said, uh, no matter what happens to Graham, don't ever come out of here till the cops get here. Wow. And then the uh, cars pulled in and a bunch of girls were in the cars. I remember peeking out from under this car and it ended up being my mom's friends and she never came. And then I also remember the guy that thought he was my dad, he was really crazy. He was like a collector, so to speak, in New England. Yeah. And he showed up one night with her until my grandmother had come downstairs and popped the trunk and there she was and he was like i'm taking care of her now out uh, for threatening you and my and keithy and uh my grandmother was like no what are you out of your fucking mind like hmm. let her go let her go so yeah i grew up in a lot of turmoil um yeah no shit by 12 um i was free basin um i was hanging out with like 18 year olds so we were going into
0: over school like you're going to school at all
1: yeah i yeah, I was going. Um, what's crazy is that I was like a straight-A student. I was like really good at really school. Really smart. Yeah, really good at school. Like I would go. Pretty well-behaved? Yes. Pretty well-behaved? Yeah, pretty well-behaved, yeah.
0: But then when you come home, you'd be smoking crack? Yeah. Free base?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, uh, only on weekends. No. Um, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't something. You know what? We weren't like back. It's weird. I, I didn't have it where I was like selling shit for it and going crazy for it. Then it was actually literally like Friday or Saturday. We'd get my buddy's little car. We he was like eighteen. I'm twelve, thirteen, fourteen. I continue to do it, and then we'd drive up into the hood. They'd stick back then. They had on like little vial. Little mm-hmm. it was totally different. It was more freebase than crack. It was like yeah. switching. And I'd slap their hand, and we'd go all over the car, and we'd pull away. You know, one of those things. And then the rest of the week I'd be fine and I, I'd be uh I was into dancing, I love to dance. I'm a huge break dancer. So I would go and then just go to normal and just go through it was crazy. Um but then you know the drugs continue to just progress and progress.
0: And so like, uh, you know, you're smoking weed at three. Are you like enjoying like when do you start enjoying weed?
1: I never really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um Again, when she gave it to me at three, it wasn't something I like, was like, "Yo, mug." But you know, she would just do it. I'd think it was cute to show her friends, so she'd give it to me. Yeah. At twelve, I was doing that too, but I mean, it just made me like paranoid. I'm one of those mm-hmm. people that do it and get. I mean, not that like the free base wasn't making me paranoid. It's different.
0: It's different. It was a different kind.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I wasn't really into it. I wasn't, you know. But I seen, I seen the destruction of it go through a neighborhood. Our neighborhood was like a tight knit Irish Italian neighborhood. And then it just came through and, you know, AIDS had started back then and back then we didn't really know like, hey, you can't get it through contact or you can't get it through this or there was none of that. So I remember as a little boy, like going to funerals for people that died from AIDS and they'd have like a veil over the coffin because they didn't want no one to get near them. Jesus. Yeah. I remember my grandmother was a private nurse. So and back then there were people in their 30s and 40s that were dying from AIDS And no one would go to the house to take care of them because they didn't want to catch it. They Mm. had no idea. And here's my grandmother going in and taking care of these people. I'm like, you know, they need to be taken care of too. So it was, and and then to watch it just destroy my neighborhood. And, you know, um, either people were going to prisons. um, There was a lot of people robbing banks. There was a lot of um, people dying, but there wasn't, it isn't like today. Back then it was totally different. Like, hey, if someone got really like almost to the point of ODing, it was more of like, hey, where'd you get that stuff? You know, it's now it's just totally different with the mm-hmm. carfentanil. It's totally nuts. But life was, uh, I had this bright idea. You know, I always had this business mindset. And at like 16, I, I figured, I was like, yo, you know what I'm gonna do? Because my mom was constantly like, um, I'd open the gifts on christmas and my birthday and by noon they'd be gone or you know and it was just where she was and you know we before she passed i forgave her for everything and we squashed that stuff but i figured like instead of my grandmother going through this i figured out the math i was like well if i buy this much of it bricks they were called back then and i could sell it and then i could sell it to her and she doesn't have to go out and do all this crazy shit but again, um, I'm a businessman. So even back then at seven, I had my first little candy store in the middle of all this hmm. turmoil uh, for the kids in the neighborhood that were getting high on the caniminal and the tussionics and stuff that's like not even around today. And they like to eat. So they would come by and-
0: And buy, buy candy for Buy you. candy. <laughs>
1: and I'd put them on the, on the arm and like they'd have credit for the week. And like, you know, and, and, <laughs> and I did this with sodas and ice Whoa. creams. And yeah, I was doing it at seven years old. My big idea at 16 was I was gonna- be the guy that like sold I could sell it to her and it would be fine and I'd be able to make some extra money in the neighborhood because everyone was starting to buy it and that worked like for the first couple months and then I decided yeah I'm gonna do it just on the weekend I'll do some dope and then I'm gonna do it on a, a Friday Saturday and, eh, Sunday football and then you know on Monday and then Tuesday. you know how it goes and, and before I knew it I remember literally like waking up one day sick I didn't know why and my buddy says to me you got a habit. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Of that? I was like 18, and he, I said, "What do you mean?" He Were you goes,
0: shooting it at that time? No, or no snorting it. Snorting, it, snorting mm-hmm. it.
1: And I was one of those that I think I was like allergic to it, so I had like this big crusty nose, like between my <laughs> lip and then my nostrils. He says, "Yeah, man." He goes, uh, "You got a habit." And I remember that day, I was doing like six, seven bags a day, and uh, I only had enough for two. And he goes, "The only way you're going to feel that," and he was shooting it. And he goes, it's "As if you shoot it." And uh, I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "All right, well." Show me how. And I I did it that one time, and that was it. At 18, I had a friend that had lived there, uh, him and his brother, and they had moved to North Carolina when I was like 16. I might be off on the time. So at 18, I hadn't seen them, but I heard one of them had killed himself. In the midst of a habit, I went down at 18 years old to North Carolina, and I stayed with the brother. And uh, I was just complete abstinence down there. Um, I started to train, started to kickbox. I was traveling the, that state kickboxing. Mm-hmm. I was taking all my aggression on and everybody else. My mom had gotten locked up again in Rhode Island. So, and then she was out to back it up. I grew up with this one kid, Robert and Robert was like my brother. He lived probably like five houses down from me with his dad. His mom wasn't there ever. She was like in Oklahoma. His dad was, uh, old vietnam vet drunk he would wake us up at like four in the morning and tell us boys get the fuck up time to march and he would put <laughs> us in the snow outside and our underwear to march wow. so he would be abused and i remember like i'd wake up all the time and rob would be in my bed like going to sleep and i'd say oh, again he'd be like yeah he hit me and my grandmother that was her like second grandchild and uh, my mom was real close to him he was like you know and i was always a small little kid i was tiny. And he was the bigger kid so I would do all our homework but because I was the brain and he would fight everybody for us so <laughs> it worked out, we had a great relationship. So when I, I moved away, he didn't know about, he wasn't doing drugs, he wasn't doing anything like that but when I moved away from New England and came down to to North Carolina, um, my grandmother had was coming down to see her sister in Florida, in Hollywood, Florida and she said to me, um, well she has one in Hollywood, Florida in Lake City And when she got to the house and I was doing great, I was really happy, uh, fighting, training, working out, working at a pizza place, tossing pizzas in the window. She had said to me, "Uh, something happened. Uh, Rob fell off a ladder at work and it was all grass and he hit the cement and his brain swelled on the way to surgery and he died.
0: Hmm.
1: And he had a baby on the way. Um, I had just seen him before I left. How
0: old were you at this time? Uh, It was
1: like 19, 20. To back it up, though, I did have, you know, a saving grace in my youth. So the nurse at the school, when I was about five, six years old, realized that I didn't have a dad and put me into a program called the Big Brothers of America. Mm -hmm. And I ended up meeting this guy, a college kid from Providence College, and he comes by and he's going to my house and he's picking me up and we're going out to these big brother events and we're both looking at each other like oh god these suck and Mm -hmm. i was like yo can we go to your college like instead because i'm all down like (laughs) yo i know he's having parties there and i'm six or seven i'm like this is gonna be great i'm gonna see all these guys having fun hang out he was six or seven. Yeah, when I <laughs> met him. And I just wanted to go there and hang out with everybody. Like, yeah. You know, be the and and he took me. And then I was like, you know, so so I was going in like what is but like college I wasn't, cake parties? Yeah, but I wasn't drinking or nothing. It was just like hanging out yeah. and watching all these girls act fools and, like the mascot. Yeah, it was great. Exactly, <laughs> like the mascot. So um he brings me to his family, his mom and dad, and he had a sister and they're both in college. Mm-hmm. And he brings me to his family and um They welcomed me with open arms. Here I am, little blonde-haired, blue-eyed little boy, six years old. Don't have anything from Providence. They're from a nicer part of town. And they take me in. And uh, the next thing you know is, like, in the summers, I'm living on Cape Cod. I have a little Boston Whaler. I'm driving around. I'm a member of the Yacht Club. They're paying for private schools for me to go to. Uh, Incredible. Mm. Like straight out like insane. It was, and I loved them. She was like my second mom and, you know, second dad. And he taught me how to swim, the father, and he re- became like a brother though in college. And then they came and said to me after like a year, I guess after you're done with college, that program ends and you don't have to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And he, they came and said, uh, you know, they're gonna, he came to my grandmother and said, look, they're gonna give him a new big brother, but um, let's leave the program and just continue this on our own. I'll cover it, but that goes on until today,
0: still. You're still close to them.
1: Yeah, my kids, that's their grandma and wow. papa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, I was just on the phone with her like a half hour ago. That's cool. for, She was talking about, uh, we sent flowers for Mother's Day up there. That's cool. And in they were in their 80s. Incredible, and, and through the disease, I was told by the dad, like, never call us again. Mm-hmm. You're never gonna do nothing in life. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, you're torturing us, and I was, I can see that now. Like, I, I would call her and say, hey, I don't. I don't have any food. I need money, and she'd send it overnight, cash mm-hmm. in a magazine. You know, so I mean, fuck yeah. Yeah, and how much would I spend on f- on food? Not a lot, uh-huh. you know. But yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, through recovery, I've learned to be different. But I get down here anyway. Uh, Florida, first town I get. So you,
0: what? Why'd you move to Florida? Because <clears throat> your mom was here.
1: No. So no, my mom was still up there in uh locked up. So I I come down here because my grandmother shows up in North Carolina, and tells me my like brother, best friend, died. I'm there with one of my friends whose brother just killed himself. She says to me, "Um, listen, I'm going down to Florida. You should come with me. So, um, and my grandmother never drove, so she got there on a greyhound. So I said, yeah, sure, fuck it, Florida. Because in New England, we think, I'm sure you've heard me say this Mm -hmm. before when I speak, we think of Florida of like palm trees, pink flamingos, all this shit. And I've never seen a fucking pink (laughs) flamingo. But um, we get down here and all of a sudden, the bus starts going west. So I'm in Jacksonville. I'm looking at all these nice buildings and trees, palm trees. And then uh, the, the bus goes west, and I'm in Lake City, Florida. And Lake City, Florida is, like, out of control. I, they had, like, literally KKK in the middle of the streets picking yeah. and all this shit. And I even started seeing a girl there. was a the manager of the movie theater I was working at. And uh, her family, I remember I went over to the house to meet her. And they brought her in the other room, and I could hear it clearly as Day said, uh, "He's a goddamn Yankee, and you know it's either us or him." What? Yeah, I was like, "Holy
0: shit!" Where the fuck am I? Yeah,
1: where the fuck am I? And uh, and I was still abstinent there. I was about twenty-one there when I got there, and then my grandmother was like, "Yo," because I was hanging with my buddy, this black kid, and she was like, "Yo, they're gonna stop fucking burning crosses on our lawns if we stay here," like hmm. you know, fucking around. <laughs> so we got the fuck out quick we lived in a little trailer i was so bad that place i mean we had nothing you know i grew up with absolutely nothing and i was working at the movie theater i learned a good trade i became a projectionist i was building the movies and doing stuff like that that's cool yeah so we come down to hollywood I'm still absent still haven't done anything not drinking not smoking for a while and uh we moved in with our sister and my mom let's see she at first we had to go back up to get her and the animals because we had two cats so my grandmother and i drove up north in a celica i was dating the girl from the movie theater still she moved to hollywood with me we were both working at the movie theater used to be on sheridan street and we're both there she's like managing i'm a projectionist and then she went to work for sun trust she never did drugs in her life she let me use the Celica. I drove from here to New England to get my mom. She was out of prison, but she was in like a rehab treatment center mm-hmm. to get her ready for the streets. And when we got there, I remember you couldn't, I think it was called Benjamin Rush. You couldn't, like, it's not there anymore. You couldn't see them and go in and visit, but you could look up at them in the window. And she's like talking to me through the window. Mm-hmm. My grandmother and I just drove in this fucking two door Celica all the way there. And she's next to a girl in the window and she's like, I'm not going. And we're mm-hmm. like, why? And she points to the girl. She's like, I met her and I love oh her. Oh my God. Yeah, and we're gonna stay together. And I'm like, fuck, out. let's get out of here. Wow! Yeah, so we grabbed our cats. And you know, I, my cat ended up dying at like 24 years old mm-hmm. that I had. And uh, we took him back to Hollywood, Florida. And my grandmother, we lived off two, her first husband died in the war, so she got a check from him. And my grandfather was never around. He was uh, an alcoholic. She got his check too. He had died when I was younger. I told her, I said, you know, because she was giving one of those checks to my mother, and I was like, fuck her, you know, like, let's take them both, why are we living like, how bad we are when we could have, even with both checks, it was a little bit better, trust yeah. me. I think with both checks, it might have been like 1,200 bucks a month. So we were living off one of like seven. Mm-hmm. So she took it, then my mother came. My mother called her one day, I was like, where's my check? She like, <laughs> she says, no, that's my check, Johnny. And she's like, what do you mean your check? It's my fucking check. Then She showed up, she just showed up in Hollywood, Florida, and uh, she said she'd go to you know get clean and do everything. And so, I remember we didn't have like cell phones or anything. I remember she was at the house, and I dropped her off at this state run place down here that we all know that's mm-hmm. in Brow Boulevard. And when we get there, I drop her, and then it's I crazy
0: leave. that place has been around that long, it's yeah, long. it's crazy.
1: And I get home, and I'm so I thought I was smarter than my mom. I unplugged all the phones in the house because I knew that's going to last about six hours before she's going to call us. And of course, she tried, but no one was answering. So, my neighbor that I hardly ever didn't even know comes pounding on my door and's like, Hey, your mom's on the phone at my house. <laughs> and I'm like, well, How'd she get you? And she's like, Well, she got it yesterday. So, my wow. mother knew what she was knew. going down. Oh, wow. And she's like, And she says to give you this message if that little motherfucker doesn't come and pick, pick me up right now, I'm gonna light myself on fire on his front lawn.
0: Oh my so, God.
1: So this neighbor was freaking the fuck out. And I'm like, oh, I apologize for that. So I go and get her. She's like, all right, Keethe, here's your geographical lesson. Find me a Martin Luther King Boulevard Ave Street Road. She's like, and that's where all the drugs are. I Whoa. was like, all right. So we ended up finding two, um, one yeah. here and one down South from there my friend Jared had come down. He, Are you
0: uh, using with your mom at this point?
1: Yeah, we're we're using, we're doing armed um, robberies, we're robbing places at gunpoint in stores, hmm. we're robbing drug dealers, we're yeah, we're going crazy. We're uh, boosting all over, stealing, for those that don't know, um from stores, um getting in chases my mom my uh whole life also was a getaway driver so she could drive like in, literally in reverse and drift and she was like out of control wow. mechanic um yeah, wow. she was yeah
0: like a butch lesbian yeah John, johnny yeah.
1: she was a bouncer in nightclubs when i was a little boy she was a bouncer, bouncer yeah yeah and, oh and, and my anyone God. that grew up with me like tells like even tells my wife and because people are like yeah right like uh i would be like because i was so small i'd be like i'm getting my mom to beat your dad's ass <laughs> <laughs> And she would literally knock them the fuck out. Yeah. Like my boy called me one day. He's like, yo, I just seen your mom beat up two dudes with noonchucks. I didn't even know she could (laughs) fucking spin noonchucks. Another time someone someone was fighting with her her buddy that this girl, and they drove up (laughs) and threw a half stick of dynamite in the car. And my mom was talking to her outside the car. And my mom reached in, grabbed it and threw it, and my mom was a big girl. She was like 350, wow. and it blew her onto the sidewalk.
0: Oh my God. Yeah, she
1: was out of fucking control. There was like, no one in the neighborhood fucked with my mom. There oh was a heavyweight God. champ kickboxer that was known up there, Bobby. And uh, he was like, because he was close to my grandmother. My grandmother to survived for us used to sell pills, mm-hmm. Vicodin and Percocet in the donut shop in our neighborhood to pay for me and her and my mom in prison for lawyers and stuff and you know he loved my grandmother and he was close to my grandmother and he was like come on he told my mother one day cuz they were like love hate relationship come on johnny like fucking punch me you dyke and like see what you got and he she punched him in the arm and he was like ah it sucked and when she left, he turned on told my grandmother, "Holy shit! Like, yeah, she's <laughs> no one to fuck with. Wow. Yeah, she was. Yeah, That's cool. yeah it, was, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. I, I mean, all the time, kids, I'd be fighting. They're like, yeah, I, your mother's a dyke. I'd be like, I know.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> she'll beat the fuck out yeah, of you. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, for that, your dad's gonna. Oh, I remember one time I get off. Of, this is great. I get off a. Of, I get off a of school bus and I see this white kid getting. Poor little, like, heavy set white kid. Never bothered anyone. I see, like, four black kids jumping him. And I'm like, hey, leave the kid with that. They all ran to me and jumped mm-hmm. me. And he took off. And um, I must have caught a beating for, like, 20 minutes. Because I remember walking home, and here's this white kid that got, was getting jumped that I stuck up for at my door with his mother, knocking at it. And my mom is in a three-piece suit in the house with a tie and everything on, opens it. The lady said to her, do you have a little black boy named Keith? And she's like, no. And here I come up the street, fucked up. Mm -hmm. And they said to her, "Uh, what happened, Keithy? I says, I just got jumped. And she goes, oh, you did. And we lived the street over from the projects. Mm -hmm. And my mother walked into the projects with me and said, or at the top of her lungs, all right, motherfuckers, you want to jump my kid? All come outside now. It's time to get all your asses beat. And I promise no one came out of the house. And then the, they called the cops. When the <laughs> hell do? they call the cops? And Officer Taft, he, he was a cool cop. He shows uh-huh. up and he's like, she said, you think he's going to stop me, you motherfuckers? And the cop was like, she's right. She's <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I don't want to fuck with her. Uh-huh. Out of control. Yeah, it was nuts. That's why I guess people like, hey, if I wrote just stories about my mom, it would just be <laughs> hours and hours of it. So I get down here. I'm doing the right thing. I'm abstinent. And then she brought me to the Mount Luther King's and uh, I go with her. And I pick up right where I left off. And my friend Jared's down here. One time, I remember, <laughs> there's another one with my mom. I remember in New England, um, right before I had left to come down to North Carolina, I had shot up maybe once or twice. And this guy there was uh at my house my mom's okay so he gets me high he says well you need Mm -hmm. your own needle so i went in my mom i knew had him in the bathroom so i took one of hers and boom did it and he handed it to me he says go clean it out i don't know what the fuck he meant i didn't Mm -hmm. know i had to flush the thing (laughs) so i just put it back and uh he's sleeping nodding out on my floor and my mom's ritual every day when she got home, because, of course, she was out hustling all day and copping, was to go into the bathroom. And flush with, the needles. With a, well, no, to go into the bathroom with, and with the newspaper, pretend she was on the toilet shitting and reading the paper, and she'd get high in there with her little setup, mm-hmm. and she'd pull out her stuff. And, of course, through the door, I hear her doing that, and I also hear her go, what the fuck? There's blood in here. Well, because I didn't flush it. And I was using yeah. it. And she's like, Kate, there at the top of her lungs and she knew I was snorting but she didn't know until this day and Mm -hmm. I I get in there and she's like let me see your arms and I show my left arm and I had done it in my right and she's like let me see the other one so I show my left arm again same arm she's like the last time I checked the last time I fucking I gave birth to you you had two fucking arms (laughs) so she's like let me see the other one and she's seen it and she's like oh you did it with him huh and he was like nodding out on my floor and she literally (laughs) went in the room Stepped over him, so one of her leg, her feet were on both sides of him. He was, and she tapped him, was like, "Hey, John, wait!" And when he woke up, she knocked him out again. And wow. she, she's like, "That's for getting yes. high. That's for shooting up with my son." Wow. Yeah, and then you know, and I never did it again until we were in Florida together. And I remember once I I was doing it with my friend behind the door, Jared, and Jared's actually he's been clean now. uh Almost five years or five years, Hmm. and he's coming down again. He's one of my best friends, you know, very tight. And uh, he came down, he got me off, and uh, she caught it. And she like chased him into the bathroom, and he jumped (laughs) in. He knows her very well. He jumped in the shower. He wanted nothing to do with her screaming, trying to get away from her. Yeah, so, and then it just was rip roaring, using, doing stick ups, stealing everything we could that wasn't bolted down going off it was crazy and it continued uh for a long time i we were on the methadone clinic together and all this Uh, other stuff
0: yeah because i've seen uh your arrest uh Mark shots yeah you must have been how many times you've think you been arrested uh
1: i know i got 23
0: felonies so wow you have 23 felonies
1: felonies yeah so yeah some maybe didn't so a little bit more i've been arrested um a lot a lot yeah um it makes you become an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, you have no choice because yeah. then they're like, you can't get a job. So, no. you know, so there's that's the only choice you got is to become an entrepreneur. So, how,
0: how many active years of using? Probably like 15 years of hardcore using from that point on. 20. 20 something. Yeah, yeah
1: 20 something years of hardcore using. Mm-hmm. Hardcore, like rough. Um, go to bed with a lot of stuff. For the next morning, my quotations around that, save it for the next day so Mm -hmm. you're not sick. Wake up at midnight or come out of the night at midnight and say, well, it's the next day and do it. And then for the last few years, I was like doing five Xanax in the morning, half a gram of dope, driving to the clinic, drinking 150 milligrams of methadone, smoking my body weight and crack all day. Afterwards, doing another five bars and another gram to go to bed. Mm-hmm. and it just continued on and on and on. And, and
0: the only time- Would was, you ever get clean in between those years? Would you ever want to get clean? Like,
1: um, Yeah. There was a time where my ex was pregnant, and we were using while she was pregnant. And she was about nine months pregnant, eight months pregnant. And she we had warrants. We had warrants in Palm Beach. We had warrants in Dade County. We had warrants in Broward. And- I had called to make sure, like, hey, what happens if a pregnant girl goes in there? Because, you know, you don't want nothing to happen. To, sick fucking twisted thinking when you say it out loud. Like, you don't want nothing to happen to baby, but then we're, <laughs> yeah. we're using. Yeah. They said, oh, no, there'll be a detox and there'll be all, all this stuff. So we had gone in. She had gotten arrested first. And then, like, a week later, I did. I didn't know what was going on with her. And once I was going to get sentenced... I was with someone we knew from the streets and on the way up to the judge, they were like, hey, gee, uh, sorry about the baby. And I was like, what happened? They were like, I'm, I'm next door to her in the cell and she lost the kid. Hmm. And I'm like, damn, you know, and like 15 minutes later, I get sentenced to a 364 in the county. And I go back and then- God, six, that sucks. That uh, just sounds
0: yeah. like the worst day of life. Yeah,
1: 15 minutes, I find out that she lost the baby and I get 364. So I go back to the cell, you know, depressed. But I mean, I brought it on myself. I, they, people are like, well, you didn't make her, you, yeah, but I didn't say anything about it either. I mm-hmm. co-signed the fuck out of it. So uh, we go back, and I go back to the cell, and then six months into my sentence, they're like, they bring me back to court, and that's always an add-on charge, you know. And I'm like, fuck, what what'd they catch now? You know, I thought I was getting out soon, and they give me a six month. I get there, and they're like, hey, we're for the interest of, you know, such and such. Uh, her birth name was Teresa. And I was like, what are you talking about? Why am I here? And they said, well, this is your daughter. She's six months old. I was like, I was told that she passed. She didn't make it because she was born addicted. They said, well, whoever told you that was a liar. Hmm. And they said, do you wanna try to get her? I was like, absolutely. So they said, okay, we need you to do this year case plan. We're gonna have you do drug testing, parenting classes, visitate supervised visitations um there was somebody you know that was watching her and she was in their care and they said we'll give you a chance to get her back so i remember besides i mean all the times i was locked up i never used in there except a couple i remember i did six more months happy i got back that day like holy shit i had i had a kid i had like one picture that they had given me right there had this kid sketch it out and like i had it above my bunk and I got out, and immediately the next day I started doing these parenting classes and started doing all the shit that they wanted. I, and I lived in Hollywood and had zero dollars, and would have to take like buses to get to Oakland Park in University to see her and do or do classes there too. Mm-hmm. And and uh, six months out, they, like so, that time period of did I have time where I wasn't using was about then. It was about then that I wasn't doing anything.
0: Then eventually. Like what leads, you know, like people always ask me like, oh, so what was it that got you clean, you know? And um, I think it's different for everybody. What about like the rooms? Like were you going to meetings at all? Did you think meetings worked? Did you know anyone that got clean? It's crazy. The fellowship that I decided to go
1: to where I met you is uh, when I was a little boy, I remember one time going to that fellowship meeting with Mm -hmm. my mother. And they were doing like a raffle for uh, the book. You know, uh-huh. I'm not gonna say what book. Yeah. It's not the book the others are thinking with yeah. the B, that's for sure. But no, I'm <laughs> joking. Um, but it was, and I won the raffle. Uh-huh. And, and like, I never really thought of what that was. But um, six months out, they said, "Well, we're ready for to go to court next month." And I'm like, "For what? A status?" And they're like, "No, custody." I didn't have my shit together, so I didn't know what the what the hell was going to happen. I said, "Well." How are we going to do that? I, I've only been out six months. You gave me a year case plan. They said, but we gave it to you a year ago. And they took everything that day.
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: stripped my rights. I don't even know if I went to court today. i have them do it. I just said, fuck it. I'm yeah. not sure. I don't remember. That's when I just continued to start using again. And then through that, I've accumulated all these arrests and all this crazy shit and getting caught and living on the streets and... Living in the and living under the bridges with a little kitten and just fucking kidding. I chaos. do remember this. Yeah. i remember
0: the cat in your story yeah
1: fucking chaos and you remember also me trying to uh when they pull us over i had warrants so i'd act mentally retarded <laughs> and you do remember that <laughs> yeah and uh like i
0: did it three times and three Wait, let's go back so when you would get pulled over you'd pretend to be mentally so, retarded so
1: what it would happen is i would never drive so i was i knew i had warrants so i would never drive and um first time like my ex is driving the car and i'm like hey so uh you know what happens Like if we get pulled over I'm gonna just go into Retop mode And she's like What? <laughs> and so She's like What the fuck do you mean? I was like Just go with it Like you know And uh, she got pulled over We were on Alligator Alley I'm listening To her We were in a rental With like Stuff Stolen stuff All in the trunk From stores Video games and stuff And they're like uh, Talking to her And they were like let it go And they were like Yeah it's your tents And she's like It's a rental They're like okay And then I heard it does he have a license? And I'm like, oh fuck, here they come. So when they got there, you know, I had one hand that I like twisted, made it look like it was had a stroke or something uh-huh. in it, and I squinched one of my side of my eyes. And when they opened it up, I was rocking back and forth. And I was like, oh, like it would you yeah, dream. not really. I was like,
0: hello officer, you know, like. <laughs> oh and, my god. Yeah,
1: and then and then they got me out of the car. And I dragged one of my feet, like, I pretend like the left side of my body just didn't work anymore. Uh-huh. And I dragged myself to the back. And uh, I was like, go your friend. Will you is your family?" You? And then he asked me for ID. And I was started to cry. I was like, I don't have ID. And I can't get ID. I, I have a... Sh- 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 Student ID, and they were like, What the fuck is going on here? So they, and then they had popped the trunk and they seen all this stolen shit. And I was like, Oh my God, video games. I love Super Mario Bros. No. Yeah. And, um, and the cop was like, Bro, telling his partner, like, that pulled up. Well, you know, another cop, he's like, Let them go, dude. And he's like, What the fuck are you going to do with these people? Then I started saying, Offshore, I feel like I'm going to have a seashell. Sh- 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 and he's like, "Oh shit!" He's like, Yeah, sit back in." The-. I was like, "It's hot!" And he sat back in the car. He put me in the car, and he's like, "Turn on the AC." And I uh, cried again. And he's like, "What's wrong?" I said, "I don't know how." And you know, so he's reaching over me, putting <laughs> oh on the God. AC, and they let me go. And then that um, was really good. Yeah, yeah. and then how many times have you done that? Three for three, and um. <laughs> Yeah, one time they even found. Yeah, one time they found pictures of me like posing, like prison photos, like fucking. And they were looked at her and they were like, "Is something wrong with him?" And she's like, "Oh no, they said was he in an accident?" And she's like, "Yeah, he's in an accident, right?" And another time, they, oh my god! Another time we're driving around the in, in the hood. We're driving around the hood, and they're like, uh, "Hey, did." I'm asking the guy. We keep going by in the circle and I'm like, yo, I need a forty. What are you fucking deaf? <laughs> and after like the fourth time, he's like, You fucking idiot, the cops are behind you. And woo we got pulled over. Instant retard mode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> instant retard mode. I started rocking back and forth. So they grab her. I have mm-hmm. syringes, stamps all over the floor oh in front God. of me. So they start yelling at her, like, how dare you get this kid hot, you piece of shit. And <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, yeah, and I'm like, she's a pretty girl. She's a pretty girl. And yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they, they pop, and I hear them talking. There's like eight of them now. Uh-oh. And they're like, what the fuck do we do? They're like, well, we definitely got her dead to rights. They're like, but if, I remember the words. They were like, but if we, this is Daytona. They were like, if we arrest her, we're stuck with the retard because he can't get home whoa and they were like just let him go and they took all our shit and i remember i had like whenever i was out boosting i always liked to boost shit that i like too so uh-huh. like i would boost the food i was gonna eat that night
0: yeah
1: all my comic books <laughs> and they took all my comic books and i just went into spasm mode i want my spider-man and fucking slap in the car oh my god yeah and they were like get him on the fuck out of here and but they took all these video games i'm sure they all kept. And then the last time I did it was uh, on State Road 84 at the 7-Eleven. Had, we had gotten dropped off by someone, and the guy knew like we had warrants, so immediately he called the cops because he was pissed at us. Uh-huh. Um, well, we go outside, and we're sitting on the curb right in front of 7-Eleven, and the cop car pulls right up, like almost hits us in the fucking knees. Mm-hmm. And he gets out. and he's like, what's your name? And she says something real quick, and he's like, you're Catherine Daniels. And I just went into instant retard mode again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they said, what's your name? I said, Benjamin Conway. And they were like, yo, so I knew. They said, you're such and such. They knew her real name, and she had given an alias. So I uh-huh. knew they knew my name. So right away, I threw out the old, Keith isn't going to come here with all the cops here. You know, like. like so there's they,
0: someone else there. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah so they knew thought, like, Keith wasn't there. I had mentioned yeah. Keith, and I'm Keith. And I remember she had, like, my, I had, like, 200 bucks, and I had just given her $100. And they were arresting her. They were like, she has a warrant. So they called me a cab. <laughs> And she's sitting in the cop car. And I'm like, can you ask if I can get her $100? And she's looking at me like she wanted to fucking kill (laughs) me. She's like, like, fuck fuck you. Yeah, she didn't give me $100. So I got in the cab and I'm rocking back and forth in the cab with my paralyzed left side of my body. Mm -hmm. And cabbie's looking at me like, what the fuck? And the cop's like, dude, I don't know. And he's like, where does he live? And I'm like, I live in Broward. And, like, we're in Broward. And yeah. fucking the cab's like, uh, and the gap's like, just get him the fuck out of here. So when the cab pulled away, I remember, like, going and just relaxing. And the cab was, like, calling in dispatch to say, I have an issue. And then I tapped him on the shoulder, and I was like, yo, bro, I'm not I'm not handicapped. Don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> like, let's go to Opalaka. Yeah, <laughs> so, immediately. Yeah, immediately. So fucking crazy crazy That's thing. Wild. so yeah oh, I, I, I did
0: stay i've never heard that in my life
1: yeah i reenacted when i would speak all. <laughs> and people were like yo you're the key with the retard <laughs> story you know it was just continuously just using and using and using and my mom uh got locked up my grandmother was down here my grandmother was my life she passed away um she passed away from cancer i was using through that um i remember like i couldn't even get to the hospital i didn't want to see her you know, in the hospital, in hospice. And um, then I went up there and they left us there. And I sat there at her bed crying and she came out of it, which was shocking. She was like, It's going to be all right, Kitty. We'll be fine. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get better. You know, she was to the end, like just trying to fight for me. Mm. And that day I went back. I was staying at the house her and I had. We had like a little one bedroom apartment in Hollywood. And I just spiraled out of control, I got kicked out of there. The landlord came over and took the fucking front door off the place, cause I wasn't, I had no money to pay after a couple of months, and then I, I left there. Hustled up, got a little apartment down in the area near my store, where my store is now, and uh, my mom was gone. My mom got arrested by the feds. She was cashing, my grandmother was still getting the check uh, from the government, and she cashed it and she got caught. From there, I lost contact with my mother. I didn't know where she was. I was asked to leave the property uh, where I was staying because I wasn't paying there. My ex was nowhere to be found. I had lost you know, lost the rights to my daughter, didn't see her anymore. Um, I was just out of control. And um, my ex actually was in prison too. She went to prison. So I ended up moving into the band in hollywood and you know wherever the hell i could stay mm-hmm. had this little great kitten uh kept him with me and then i was living under the bridge on sheridan street fucking nuts smoking crack the manatees would come up i'd blow it in there yeah i was out of control you know like in fucking no wonder they hung around you know, they were <laughs> they were there for like fucking days i was like damn they must really like me you know they were looking for more yeah. and hanging and doing anything and ways and means to get more it was it was out of control, and uh, I had accumulated locked up so much. I was waiting on a charge in Broward. I go ahead and I get one up in. Um, while I'm out on bond in Broward, I catch a charge in Dade, and this time my ex had, had gotten out. Well, this is maybe right before she went in. It was before she went in, yeah. And I catch a charge. Yeah, this is right before I had. That's right before I was became homeless. We mm-hmm. we catch another charge. For Had one in Brow, we catch one in Dade, always co-defendants. And um, well, I'm looking at her in the box, and Dade and, you know, the public pretender, whatever he is, defender, pretender, same right. shit. He says, yo, um, I'm going to get you probation. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, yo, can you do something for me with the probation? He's like, what? I was like, can you make sure that she, uh, if I contact her, I get locked up, it violates it. And she looked at me and I looked at her and I was like, look, I'm not better than you, you're not better than me. We're just not good for each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had gotten the message of hope in there. Um, I had an old roommate before that. I met a guy named Kevin and Kevin was in there with me and uh, he said, yo, hey, there's a fellowship called such and such, and you know, cause I'm kicking, I'm kicking methadone and dope mm-hmm. and all this stuff and I'm, oh, I'm eating it. I'm locked up in this, in Dade County, which that should get anybody clean that gets locked up there. I was like, oh get the fuck away from me, dude." Like, I don't want to hear you. And I was like, "You're in here too." He's like, "I just missed the court case." He's like, "But you know, I, I've been—I'm <laughs> clean." Yeah, yeah. He's like, "I've been oh. clean for like a year now." Uh, and I'm like, "Yeah, whatever, dude. Fuck out of here." And then um, they—that day, I remember—they moved me to a cell with this guy. He did ten years in prison. He was back after twenty-nine days out, hmm. and was going to do five more. And that blew my mind. And he said to me, "He changed my life." He said, "Uh." Why are you looking at me like that? This is your life too. You're an addict, get used to it. And that night I sat there and I was like, fuck, he's right. Like, look, I'm accumulating all this shit. Only thing I'm accumulating every time is more time every time i get locked yeah. up. So the next day I had court and that's when I went in and they gave me probation. I made a stipulation that not to contact her. But we still had a case together the next day in Broward. Just so happened it was the next day. So we need to get out before they realized our bomb was Mm-hmm. we violated it so i go back to that cell and the guy says to me you know he's gone away for five years he goes uh, so what's going on i said i get out today he goes congratulations he goes you'll be high by five o'clock mm. and i was like no i won't be high ever again and he's like fuck you kid don't fool yourself and he's like you'll be high by five today i promise and that was march 24th of 2009
0: yeah, uh, I forgot. We had this, like, almost
1: the same yeah, clean Yeah, yeah. Day. yeah, And I was like, holy shit. Uh, yeah, fucking. Yeah, you know, when I say that now, I'm like, god damn, it's a while ago.
0: Hey, you can relate to that.
1: Yeah. Um. And no, I got out. And then uh, the next day, that night, I went to, you know, this guy was saying. And t-
0: that, that's your clean date?
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then that night, this guy was like, you know, it, it's not a part of my story that I came in and tiled the bathroom and all mm-hmm. that, which is no, I'm no better or worse than anyone else it's just my story yeah i I was one of those guys that rode rode the car and it got the flats and i rode on the rims and the rims turned to fucking liquid metal Mm -hmm. and i got out and i walked and then my soles fell out on the feet and then i crawled as far as i can and then when i finally collapsed i like ran to every fucking avenue and means and anything i could in life to think i could manipulate it in ways of The weekends, this drug, not that drug. Over here, not there. This person I hung with, not me. Geographical cures, all every fucking thing you can think of. Like I tell my sponsees, whatever you're gonna think of five years from now, just know I did 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. So once I got to that point, I said, okay, now's the time to get clean. And that was March 24th, 09. And that I remember now this guy that was telling me about this certain fellowship, Kevin, in the jail. When I get out, I get my phone back from property. It has a little charge in it. I turn it on, crying, and I I reset it to factory settings. I walked out, I went and grabbed uh, my stuff from under the bridge, and that's it. Which
0: was probably a garbage bag. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: garbage bag. And your cat. Yeah, exactly. Was
0: the cat still there? the yeah like when you would get Uh, arrested the cat would be there just hang out
1: there's no other way he's gonna go
0: oh my god yeah yeah
1: so and that was it that was um
0: so you get clean and um you know like i said in the beginning like i can verify the story you know i remember being at a meeting and seeing you with a trash bag with nothing you know i remember like the look in your eye like you know someone who's just been living on the streets for years and um very quickly i've seen you become who you are. And, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but like I've always had like a lot of respect for you because you're very good at like rallying people and getting them excited about recovery. And like, I've seen you sponsor so many people and like all the work you've done over the years. And what do you think it was that like, got you bought in and sold? Because I see so many people go to meetings and I see so many people like try to get clean, but they don't like jump in and get sold, you know?
1: Uh, passion. Um, A lot of people weighed in the shallow end of the fucking pool. Um, when I got to recovery, here's a guy that, like, I, I got to shower probably like every three days. I mean, if you just think it's like out of the year, if you only shower every other day, the math is like what? You shower 100 and something times a year?
0: 160 times a year. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: like fuck, dude. And, and like, no one wanted to hug me, no one wanted to talk to me, no one. I, I weighed like 100 fucking pounds. I looked like the crypt keeper. Um, and and when i got to recovery and walked in and was just beaten and the first meeting i hear someone Sharon, that was from uh, boston speaking at the meeting and i'm like hearing him tell my whole story of like using with his mom and all this other shit and i'm like who the fuck planted this guy like yo this is like some you know something's going on here and the passion of uh other members i met i met you um i met george george i met a kid named jeremy and you know like and all these guys that had this passion and and then i come out that first night and i remember waiting around and then going back in for another one at 10 o'clock and i was like Mm -hmm. holy shit like you know this is great and then i go out in the parking lot and it looks like you know uh a high school fucking recess you yeah. know like everyone's out there and and having fun and mm-hmm. talking about what they're gonna do and go bowling and all this other shit and i'm like damn. yeah
0: and like when i think about it like honestly like as much as i love my life today my first couple years clean like you can't replace it for all the money in the world like no. it was such a cool time exactly people everyone living in halfway houses yeah yeah, yeah. what the fuck are we gonna do tonight this person hooking up with this person you know going bowling and like for drug addicts like to to me i thought like bowling was fucking so lame i thought like fucking karaoke was like the fucking lamest thing in the world but like when a bunch of drug addicts would do it i don't care what it was we would just have fun yeah of
1: course it was a blast um i mean i came in with an ankle monitor on, if you remember and before the next day, when I get to Broward, they said to, we had two cases there. We had one in misdemeanor, and one upstairs. My ex, is both co defendant. I go, she gets called first in misdemeanor. The misdemeanor, I think I'm embarrassed, like to have it. Oh, big tough guy. I only uh-huh. get fucking felonies. And um, the misdemeanor was like, pulls out my record and is like, yo, this guy needs a bracelet. And fucking, like, sentenced me to a bracelet and He's then like right they there. right like yeah i think i went back like the next week and they gave me the bracelet and then i go upstairs to the felony court and my co-defend's not there anymore and i leave and come to find out i guess she had pleaded out to the court which is the wrong thing to do because now you're at the mercy of the judge and they gave her like three or four years in prison uh-huh. and they said to me uh give him you know let him hang himself he'll be back soon And they gave me, I had like a house arrest officer. I had a probation officer. Um, My house arrest just so happened to be born on the same exact day, the same year as I was. Then when I left there, uh, it was, she gave me early termination. There was like a new year's event for a recovery that we go to. And she called me in because I couldn't go. And she was like, come by the office. And you know, when they call you in, you're fucking sweating to Mm -hmm. death. You know, like, what did I do? I know I didn't do drugs, but somehow I thought they got my body. And um, she cut it. She's like, you're off. And mm. then she called me back and was like, come teach life skill courses. And I'm like, what the fuck? I never, what do you mean life skill courses? <laughs> I never went. she's like, yo, you know better than most people that went to college. And she's like, can you teach relapse prevention? And I-
0: I didn't know this, that's y- crazy.
1: Yeah, and I went back and taught relapse prevention for the probation office. And like- I, and Which I'm was
0: a- basically don't use pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't
1: use pussies. Um, and, and then- it was crazy because we'd be outside. They'd see me all in these sneakers and all rocking mm. this, and, and then they'd go in and she'd be like, "Yeah, and today your teacher is Keith." And, and they'd look at me like, "What the fuck?" But they could relate. Yeah. And then on top, the crazy. Were
0: you is- always into sneakers? Yeah, yeah When I was a little boy I didn't have anything And, and um, What was I, your first uh, Continue
1: Oh well, I was a little boy I didn't have any um, My grandmother would save up I remember I was telling my wife This a couple of weeks ago She'd saved up uh, Well, first she took me to the, to the bus stop for school And I was like Graham, we're gonna get in a fight today And she's like What do you mean? I'm like You just bought these like skippies That's what we called them I was like These things Doll 99 make your feet feel fine And uh, she was like No And we got to the bus stop And the kids started making fun of me And I was ready to fight them and uh, she's like, all right, let's not go to school to- today. So she took me to this place called Gellers, downtown Providence. I'll never forget it. They had like all the shell top Adidas and the suede Pumas and the mm-hmm. big fat laces. And she got me a pair. And then through not having anything, I always seen the kids that had them. And I was like, man, one day. And then through addiction, I always seen the dope boys having them from yeah. my fucking money. And I was like, man, if I ever make it one day, I'm gonna be known for my shoes. That's gonna be the thing that, uh, you know. Yeah, and that was- What something. was your
0: first nice pair of shoes you bought when you got clean? Like real Jordan Jordan 5 Wolf Grays. And my
1: buddy Anthony Rasso ended up setting me up with this and blew it all up into what it is today. And now he just wears dad nikes he doesn't right. even wear anything now and and those jordan 5 wolf grays are my favorite to this day i've done i believe our engagement photos in them my wow. wife has them uh we did the announcement of my daughter faith with them that's cool um, we did yeah we have all have them um and yeah that was my first big shoe all that right. i liked so that's but my passion for recovery was coming in and not having anything and people being like, yeah, we're going to eat right now. And that, that's where the uncomfortability comes in because here you are when you get first try to get into recovery and you don't have anything. And everyone starts talking about going to do stuff or going to conventions, you know, and you're like, what the fuck? How am I going to do this? And the thing is, is that what I learned that day is something called paying it forward. So someone was like, I said, ah, I'm not going to go. I don't have anything today. And they're like, oh no, you're fucking going. Like, I got you. And um this kid named Kyle, he would, he would, I know
0: Kyle. Wow. Kyle. He yeah. would, he would,
1: I love him to yeah. death. He, I haven't seen him in he moved, 10 years. He, he moved. Um, he, he'd pick me up every day.
0: Yeah, he's he the bring man me
1: out. He would bring me to his house with his family. And here's a guy that was fucking on the streets doing dope for 20 years. I mean, you're bringing me around your family, you're bringing me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: bring me out to eat wherever he could. And I was like, I'll never forget that. And I'm never like, yeah, if that kid called me right now, I'd be there tomorrow. Well, no That's matter awesome. where he is, and you know, and he he didn't know what he was starting back then, but like the thing was is that, and then I got to a meeting, and uh, a a guy guy named Andre comes, and they were doing like some banquet spaghetti banquet, and mm-hmm. he, they were selling tickets, and he's like, "No, I don't want one, but here, give him, give it to this kid right here, and he just he give him." Used me a to ring. do that
0: all the time. He yeah. would buy tickets and just just give them people. out, and yeah. but
1: see, to me, that was a big impact where I was like, "Man, these people are hugging me, and they're actually like." calling me the next day and saying hey how are you how are you doing mm-hmm. how, how is everything and i felt loved something i never felt that i searched for my-
0: and i tell people that all the time like going to meetings is the first time i felt love not that like my parents didn't love me but i never felt it if exactly that makes any sense exactly
1: yeah and the love and and Getting out of my own mind, there was always something going on mm-hmm. in recovery. There was always something going on. And, you know, we were going to shoot pool, and, and then I, I see who is now my wife today there, and I'm like, damn, look at her ass. You know, like, and, and then I'm like, yo, will you – but I didn't tell nobody that. In my mind, I was like, damn, she's hot. And then I'm like, yo – I need a partner for pool. And, you know, I started feeling confident about myself. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, you want to, you want to be my partner in pool? And she's like, yeah. And all I think I wanted to do was to take the tough shot. So I mm-hmm. can see her leaning over the table, you know, like, and uh, she knows that now yeah. I told her, but, it was just totally different hanging out with my buddy Max, and he would pick me up all the time, and he'd bring me to these fucking rap battles. And I was mm-hmm. like, you guys really rap against each other? And then, again, if you back it up, all my life I was a breakdancer. So here I am 27 years later, and they had a break dancing competition at uh, one of Max's things. Dope. And I went in, and I won it
0: i didn't know that, and, yeah, that was so and cool I had,
1: like three months clean or six months and i fucking was doing windmills and i blew out my shoulder but i wow. didn't let anyone know until afterwards still one yeah and i walked up to like Champion. and the other people weren't in recovery they were yeah. it was at a club yeah. and where we probably shouldn't have been with fucking three months or six yeah, months yeah, yeah. clean and um i go up to them and i whisper in his ear i'm like yo by the way i'm 35 years old and like <laughs> you know and he was like 20 and um we Got out of there, I was like, Yo, bring me to the hospital, bring me to the hospital. <laughs> so I went to the hospital. I remember, you know, hanging around, I think, like all these buddies of mine, and uh, they were like right away trying to like write stuff for you. And I was like, No, I don't do anything, mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't, I'm allergic to this. If I do this, <laughs> you're gonna be in a bad spot, yeah. and they didn't get it. And, I, and then, you know, the plunge is like. This isn't a spectator sport. So when you get into recovery, it's you're not going to get it by osmosis. It's not sexually con, uh, contact. like transmitted. Know, transmitted. Yeah. It's, if it was, everybody would have it. Because <laughs> like at one point, like I would share up there it'd be like, yo, you you slept with her, who slept with him, who slept with her, who slept with her and her and her. Like, you know, and, and like fucking everybody. It was like mm-hmm. every, because of course our feelings start to come back when we're clean um for the first time, the first couple months, we're starting getting all these tingly feelings again.
0: And and mm-hmm. some
1: of our let's be honest, some of our fucking body parts probably didn't work while we were using
0: it. So,
1: <laughs> so The thing is, is that I took the plunge in, like, they were talking about steps and what they did and how to do it and everything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm in. I'm all in. What do I got to do? What do I got to do that feel better?
0: Yeah, and that's, like, my whole goal with, like, everything I do is to, like, encourage people and excite them about doing the steps. Because usually when someone's talking about the steps, it's, like, some boring older guy talking about it no young person wants to hear it no one's talking about the traditions and like i can't remember the last time i went to a meeting and someone was talking about the traditions but i remember like when i got clean like you know people like george and all these like you know book thumpers or whatever you know we're like talking about the basic traditions. Text, jeff. yeah basic text jeff was talking screaming about you know working the traditions <laughs> yeah, and throwing chairs and tra- shit yeah you know?
1: yeah fighting with noodles yeah yeah it was it was... Yo, yeah that was so that was so exciting like to hear like someone share and her jump on a chair and be like i know why you can't stay clean because you're a hole." Yeah. you know like i'm like fuck yeah, yeah like really was so cool i don't ever want to miss an episode of this i'm going to every fucking meeting they have oh yeah yeah it, it was just like fucking great dude yeah. and like
0: you know, it was yeah just, it was wild back then
1: yeah it was like as the rooms turn like mm-hmm. you know it was like like a soap opera
0: and think about me i was a 17 year old kid you know Coming home every night like, oh mom, the meeting was so crazy tonight. Da da da. Someone threw a chair. You know Yeah. Like, and I would rap battling. people would rap out on the parking lot. People would rap out on the parking you lot. Do you remember all me sorts doing of magic stuff. tricks? I think I do. Yeah. I was yeah. really good. My whole life I loved so being.
1: Yeah, and I'd have everyone around me and Abraham's truck yeah. would be filled with fucking everybody mm-hmm. i did it was fucking amazing i yeah, love we that had a
0: blast out there. it
1: was great then you look back and the sad thing about it in recovery is like crazy steve steve mm-hmm. like some of the things he came up with the terminology was like incredible mm-hmm. like he, he first he told me he fucking invented the apple cores and <laughs> that's everyone hated him because they didn't go away and yeah. they weren't disposable but um he told me about a, a palm tree and the palm tree and there's two analogies that stick with me today And one is that for every foot that the palm tree goes up, it's two feet in the ground. So Mm -hmm. if a palm tree is 10 feet, it's 20 feet deep. Wow. And they're only in tropical areas. And it's deeply rooted. That's the key word right there, deeply rooted. And if you're deeply rooted, you'll you'll sway like a palm tree in the hurricane. You'll bend. You'll never break. Mm -hmm. So if I'm deeply rooted in recovery, I'm not going to break. If I'm like my mother-in-law, we used to have the analogy of the penguins. The penguins in... Whatever they're called, the herd, flock, whatever, they they keep the babies in the middle, and they keep rotating the other penguins in this freezing cold weather mm-hmm. to be in the center to stay warm. If you're at the center, you're never gonna fall off on the edge. Mm-hmm. And people like just staying on the edge, and that wasn't that wasn't me. But that Steve said to me one day, "Fucking man, he was great." He says mm-hmm. to me, he says, uh. Look at that palm tree. You see those see those two-by-fours there? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, what are they there for? And I was like, to support it. And he goes, well, what happens if I place them with twigs, if I replace those two-by-fours? I said, well, i will all fall over. He goes, exactly. And that's your recovery. He says, mm-hmm. if you don't have the support around you to hold you up, and you're only hanging around with people at the same clean time, you're going to fall over. Yeah. And I fucking stepped back and looked at that. And then I looked at the same parking lot and said, okay, well, he's rapping only to everyone. Literally rapping, not rapping Mm -hmm. to girls, but he's rapping. And this one's over here fighting with somebody. And this is, and I took a step back. And not that I was I didn't separate from him, but I became hanging out with people like no, George. You,
0: you become hyper aware where you're like, you know what? I want to work out with someone that is in better shape than I am. Exactly. Like you, I want to go with someone that has things that I don't know about. And like, exactly. you know, I know how to fuck girls and get popular and make all the guys laugh. Like I yeah. know how to fucking do yeah. that. You know, a lot of that is just insecurity, you know, exactly. you know, you, you want to surround yourself with people that are going to push you harder in your recovery. Steve saved my life, bro. I always say, like, bro, if it wasn't for Steve, bro, he talked to me in the parking lot for hours. Why I'd be crying? Oh, I don't think I'm an addict. Oh, I hate my dad. My fucking school sucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm so young. Oh, am I never going to drink again? You know, and, bro, he would talk to me for hours, bro. And it's crazy how, like, one person can positively impact so many people. It is. It's not. It's he sponsored like half the meeting. I know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and I had Gypsy
0: Mike. Yeah. Gypsy Mike was fucking yeah. He had the other half. Yeah.
1: And, and then, you know, and, and then going through that, having sponsors go out and use while you're still mm-hmm. staying there. And what do you do? You know, yeah. I got addict for life, you know, but
0: God, it mm-hmm. was it was rough. So let's talk a little bit about like your entrepreneurship. You know, I've seen you amass so much in. What well, it seems like a short period of time, you know, for someone who was homeless for majority of their life, you know, you would imagine from 20 to 35, that's a fucking most chunk of people's life. And like, bro, when I see kids get clean at 20, they're like, oh, that like complaining. And it's like, bro, people would fucking give their left nut to be 20 years old getting clean right now, you know, and you've accomplished so much. Like, how has that affected you? And like, how do you feel today? Like with all the things you've done
1: gifts from my higher power, um, When you stay clean, like the problems change from, oh God, I can't get to the meeting or my dad, like you said, or to like, oh fuck, I have a life now and like life shows up. Um, I married that girl that was at the pool table that Mm -hmm. night. Um, We have two beautiful children. Um, I took an idea of the e-liquid company and the vape company in 2011 and decided to start this where there was like not a lot doing it in the
0: United States And why I give you a lot of credit is because you were like one of the people that's, you know, a lot of people catch a wave and like just follow the wave. Like you're someone who created their own wave where like you were doing phone room stuff that like everyone was doing, you know what I mean? And then like moving, moving. Yeah. So like you were able to say like, you know what, I'm going to walk away from something that is actually pretty lucrative and lucrative for a lot of people to do something that is different with a super high risk that you ain't seen no one in the e-liquid business at all. You know what I mean? You kind of created it.
1: Blame the steps for that. So being in the phone room, sales room, and doing all that and uh, working steps was not practicing honesty in all my affairs. Mm -hmm. And I was literally clean living, feel dirty, and literally like contemplating like, I'm a piece of shit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people would move and always get fucked over But And no matter how hard I tried, they'd always get fucked over. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to fall into that when there's mega money to be made. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't right with myself. So in the middle of it, um, I had a partner and the last place I had, and we were doing it together and I started vaping. I went to the mall with um, Brian, my buddy Brian uh, C tj a bunch of others and Mm -hmm. there was like eight of us and we all bought these cigar like looking fucking vapes from the (laughs) kiosk and out of the eight like seven quit smoking and i was like holy shit there's no way this just happened like that easy because i knew from addiction people smoking and my grandmother smoked cigarettes it was just impossible to do so i started like getting into it and wanting to the good addict I am because people have a misconception of uh disease of addiction. They think it's drugs. We're drug addicts. We're instant gratification feels good, tastes good, smells good. We want, we want an abundance it's as much as we can get. Mm-hmm. So the symptom is the drugs. The drugs is easy. You know, with the flu, you have a, a runny nose, a headache, sore throat. The runny nose would be the drug addiction. This mm-hmm. The whole disease of addiction is instant gratification. And when you channel that into good things and you have your life, like a grip on your life and you know what you're doing and you could do it actually really positive stuff that normal people can't get obtained.
0: And I have seen a trend where like people who have gotten really involved in recovery have become extremely successful because it takes a lot of discipline and hard work to To get the recovery, you know, yeah, we're not talking about clean time. We're talking about recovery, you know. Yes, yes. So a lot of people, you know, I've seen that do that do put money to the side in the beginning. You know, I've seen you know people that we both know that have become successful later on in life, but focused on recovery hardcore.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a bunch of things. You know, people worry about the money and save the money. It's nothing to do with the money. It's the context. the Mm -hmm. contacts. I took a leap of faith and told my wife where well, I'm making three $5,000 a week in the, the phone room sales and said, "Uh, you know, living in halfway and having all these computers, I'm sure came over when mm-hmm. Anthony was living there and we have all these computers on everyone's nightstand and we're yeah, waking yeah. up and all getting to work. And, and then I tell Ricky, I'm leaving you halfway. And he's like, no, 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 what do you mean you're leaving? Because everyone was paying their yeah, rent. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, I met, you know, I got my girl and... I need her to be here. He's like, move her in, like the man's half. <laughs> so here's here's Sarah sleeping in a twin with me, wow. and like girls would come over and they're only allowed in the common area. And I'm like, all right, it's ten o'clock. You guys, girls, got to leave. And they're like looking at her, and she's getting into like, all right, good night, girls. You know, like fucking. Yeah. So to leave that and the money and, and go on a leap of faith was I. I knew I believed in vaping. I believed that it was. A lot, I felt better about myself. I didn't smell like cigarettes anymore. Um, I could breathe again, I um, work out, dance more without like feeling like I was running out of breath. And I said, you know, this there's gotta be something better than this, these flavors are good. There's a couple that are doing good, but, and there was not a lot. There was like nine, nine, 10 companies. Mm -hmm. And I said, yo, I wanna learn how to make it. And I had no idea. It's like saying right now, like, I wanna learn how to, baked cakes and you have no idea what goes in a fucking cake mm-hmm. at all and um i contact a lot of people they in a roundabout way told me to fuck off and then one guy was like yeah i'll, sh- I'll come down and show you and he was showing me and teaching me online and chat and uh i was mixing it was fucking everything up everything tastes like ass <laughs> and then and then I, I hit i hit a good one and then um i started my marketing um mm-hmm. i'm very that's my gift marketing and mm-hmm. um I got good at it and then I started pushing and then I had a little bit of money. I asked my because I was out of work for a while, I was going through interferon for Hep C. So I, I had gone through all the money where my wife was working, we were living off her check, which is like five hundred dollars a week. And I asked two friends, Brian and my old roommates, for five hundred dollars piece We were gonna be three way partners on Diamond Vapor and It would be $1,500 to start the company. And they both told me. Warren said, yeah, 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 he never sent the money. And Brian said, I'm going to buy a pair of Jordan 11 breads. Mm. And he didn't do it. And uh, my my mother-in-law gave us the $1,500 and I put it and blew it up into what it
0: is today. Wow, so just so people know, so Diamond Vapor is your physical store location, but I would imagine that most of your sales are online, right? We sell to other shops, so they're they're calling in. So you distro, okay. So that's not out. just America. Yeah, everywhere, all over the yeah, all world. over the
1: place. Yeah, I've gotten to go to meetings in the attics at churches mm-hmm. in England, and I've gotten to speak in Ukraine in mm-hmm. recovery, and I've gotten to go in Moscow and France, and all these that's fucking so cool. places that I never you never imagine. Yeah, yeah, I took my daughter for a second, a third birthday to it was a third birthday to Disney in France and like mm-hmm. Euro Disney or something. It was, it was just like fucking. Out of my mind, out of control.
0: So how does it feel now, like, looking back? Like, um, obviously, you've amassed all this success. You know, you were just telling me earlier, you have 800 pairs of shoes. Yeah, over. That's insane. Yeah. That's crazy. That's my so wild. My wife says wild. I
1: should have been a caterpillar, so I could wear them all.
0: <laughs> yeah, you should have. That's so crazy. Oh, my God. So, like, how does it feel, like, you know, just, like, looking back on your life, like, does it feel, like, surreal?
1: Yeah. I'm blessed. Mm-hmm. blessed um it's had a lot of ups and downs um i lost my mother i lost her three years ago to the disease um she
0: saw you clean
1: yeah she saw me clean you know my mom had accumulated 10 years clean
0: wow i didn't know that yeah she she was, clean. She was big in south florida like there's holy people cow. that
1: like i'll talk to you about that like that yeah. knew her and wow. they're like freaked out like holy shit johnny was your mother and like when they realize now there were people like that were she had like uh a treatment center her and her girl um mm-hmm. that i was no halfway halfway no it was like a halfway it was like state run i don't and her and her girl had like all these women there wow. and they used to see me pull up all fucked up and like some of them are in recovery today and i'm like holy shit we know who you are wow. and uh, so she got she was clean and then when i got clean she was just starting to use again with her girl and she was with her girl for like 10 years and um I just spiraled out of control you know after i became successful i said to her you know hey if you want take the year off i'll put you in halfway i'll put you through treatment i'll give you your phone i'll pay for every fucking thing you'll mm-hmm. never have to worry about anything and just and she, you know that you know how it is the grip and she was like yeah 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 and she didn't do it and um she heard cirrhosis she had mm-hmm. hep, hep turned into cirrhosis and uh she ended up dying three years ago. And oh, sorry, that. and uh, three weeks three weeks or two weeks before her, we were in D- Disney and we got the call. I had moved her right across the street from my store because I mean, she was continuously needed needing me for mm-hmm. stuff. And um, three weeks before that had happened, uh, they, we found her girl dead, overdosed in the apartment. Oh my so I had to go in the hospice and tell my mother that her girlfriend was gone. Wow. But I mean, my mom was, Crazy, you hear a lot of stories in recovery and one you don't hear and I tell this and people are like, how the fuck? So my mom, okay, so I get a call from the nurse from hospice and this nurse had an addict addict as a mom and she had almost the same story, she just never got high. And she was my age and cool chick and she was like, hey, she was even taking care of my mom while I was in Ukraine and Russia. She would come in and take care of her because my mom liked her. She was like real close with her. And she called me and said, hey, you know, it would go where I was the power of attorney and then she'd, when I wasn't there, my mother would sign it over to her girlfriend and when I got there, she'd sign it over to me. She was playing games. I never even, mm-hmm. so um, she called me and said, hey, your mom, it's time, come on in. So I got there and uh, my wife came and Jen came and Brian and my little girl and it's like four. And she had us in the room, and she was looking off in the corner, talking to my grandmother who had passed, you know. And so she's, like, telling everyone, take care of me and take care of her granddaughter, and she loves me and stuff like that. And everyone went home, and I stayed with her. And um, there's a picture you've probably seen with us holding hands, Mm -hmm. the hands. I sat there with her, and I told her, you know, "I, I love you. and. Uh, I forgive you for everything and forgive me for what my part was because we're, we're not victims, you know. Mm-hmm. We always play a, a part and a role in everything that goes on in life. And she said, uh, you know, she was there and she didn't hear me and, and it got late like 3 in the morning and I left. And I knew in the morning that I would be get the call that she had passed. Mm-hmm. And the next morning I get a call from her girl. And her girl says, I'm taking her out of this hospice. I don't like it. Now my There's like five hospices in the state of Florida. My mother was kicked off four of them wow. for abusive meds. They would drop off to an hour. all her meds. Oh, my At, God. Like once a week, they would drop off the meds. And she'd call them like six hours later. And they, and like, they're gone. Someone stole them. The dog ate them. They were flushed. <laughs> they were flushed. Every, every fucking story. Oh, my so, God. And then they brought her in. And her and her girl were sharing them. And um, so her girl's like, I'm taking her out of here. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, she's not gone. She's, excuse me, she's not gone. So no. I said, I'll be right there. So I get up there. She hadn't eaten in three days and she hadn't taken her meds. And that's how the nurses know you're going because mm-hmm. that's what happens to the body. And um, the girl starts, her girl starts laughing at me. She's like, she faked it to see what your reaction was gonna be. Yeah, yeah so that, to go through the process and get that far into it, of ex- not That's accepting crazy. it, so when she did die a couple months later, yeah it was like really like we were at a circus front row down in Miami, and um I got the call from the nurses, and I went up, and they said your mom just passed, and I was like okay, and I went back down to my seat, and uh, my wife said do you want to go, and I said no, well, let's finish the show, and then we'll go, you mm-hmm. know. So uh, it's it, it's it's fucked. It was really fucked, but um. So she seen she see me got to see me clean. Um it's been surreal, you know. The issues that I came up with is a, a lot of um go into meetings and people asking me to like fix their vape and mm-hmm. or calling me or walking into my store and saying, "Hey, I know Keith, can I get a discount?" Yeah. and like and like, you're like, "Jesus fuck, do you go to Walmart and say, "Hey, can I get a discount?" You know, like you support your friends businesses Uh, yeah and that's just and and so and then uh, like people are calling me the new drug dealer and you know serving people nicotine and like fucking all this shit And, and you know and then it is what it is um the circle the longer you stay clean the smaller the circle gets and mine's a period they're like you know i hang with really not a lot of people I just keep doing the right thing, you know. My my mother in law always talked about do the right thing, and the next right thing will happen. And we we we've been through it, um, you know. And then th- all through like a year, if you go back, you remember like I, I was looking for my little girl. Yeah, I lost my little girl. Um, so
0: this it, is the same girl that you were talking about in the beginning of the story. Yes. Yeah. So zero contact with her throughout the years. Couldn't find her.
1: I didn't have her last name. I knew they changed it. Um, my ex. Her family, someone in her family knew, it's crazy. Someone in her family whose husband has many years clean Mm -hmm. knew her name and that's all I wanted. Because now again, okay, so I told you I went and um, my house arrest officer, I was doing classes for her. Mm -hmm. My probation officer, I've been off forever now. He's my boy. We hang, like talk That's to cool. each other all the time. He he he's actually has said to people, "Hey, you piss dirty. Here's your options. I'm going to give you this number to this guy named Keith and you're going to hang with him for 30 days and do what he does or I'm going to violate you. You choose." <laughs> and he does That's this. Cool. What's fucked up is most of these guys don't do it anyway. And like you know, they'll, and he'll call me and say, "Hey, if they talked to you, I'm like, yeah, one time." He's like, "All right, violated." No. Yeah. But like, he, he calls me all the time about his problems. You know, yeah. we're like, yeah, you know, it's it's we're good friends, and I, I hang out with uh, troopers, state trooper now. One of my great friends
0: is a mm-hmm. trooper. You're telling like, me that's yeah, cool.
1: It's fucking great. It's like you know, surround yourself with people who are doing the right thing. So through um, Joey and Cheryl back then, and uh, he knew people in the. GCF and looking for her. We had no last name, none. So, and she'd have my last name because I wasn't there yeah. when it happened. And I think I was even under an alias when I was serving that time when it happened. <laughs> so, I couldn't find her, and, and I was—we were searching, and, and we heard where she was in Lighthouse Point. My wife uh, had family that she was a nanny for in Lighthouse Point, so she looked through all those yearbooks and searched and searched. And finally, we we're like, you know, this ain't gonna happen. And uh, my ex had uh, found me again a couple times on Facebook. I continuously blocked her, blocked her, blocked her. And now today, I realized like I could have found her a, a while ago. What happens is uh, December eighteenth, I get a message this past December eighteenth. 2020, I get a message from my ex on Facebook. She, cause she created like six accounts. She mm-hmm. would, I guess she wasn't too computer savvy. So if she forgot her password, she would just create a new fucking account. So I couldn't block every one of them. They kept continue to come in. So she hit me up and said, hey, I found her. And I'm like, who'd you find? And I was like, she's like our daughter. I'm talking to her now. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. My wife's putting my son to bed. So I go up the stairs and I'm like, freaking the fuck out and uh my wife you know being protective of me was like yeah let's let's relax and let's see what's going on here first and and in her mind she told me later like god help her she's fucking with him right now Mm -hmm. and um we went in the other room I said give me her name I'm messaging and she's like relax I'm talking to her and I'm like this fucker so I'm waiting and my wife's like She's had like six uh, Facebook accounts. Just click on her page and look at her friends, and she probably has. Like, you ever have those people that send you fucking 10 mm-hmm. requests in the same name, and you're like, wasn't I their friend already? Yeah. And it's just continuously. So after a while, people stop responding and re- accepting the, the request. request yeah. So I looked, and I seen a picture, and I knew they were calling her Katie, and I clicked on it, and it was a picture of a horse and two pictures of a horse. And when I looked in the link of the Facebook, it said, Teresa. And I messaged her and I said, Hey, uh, you know, um, I'm looking for a Teresa. And she says, uh, I'm Teresa. And I was like, Hey, I'm Keith. And she was like, Yeah, you're my dad.
0: Wow. She was 16? Yeah, she's
1: 16. Oh my God. I'm getting emotional. <laughs> <Yeah. sighs> um, I fell to the floor, literally fell on the floor and fell on my wife's arms, crying. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't stop. It was something I'd been searching for. My whole
0: recovery. Yeah, like never in a million years that I think I'd be able to do this. And how was her like? What was your first conversations like? She into shoes. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's and, so funny. and yeah, and, I'm, and she's into UFC like me. And wow. She's into sports cars. Wow. And yeah, like crazy. Oh, that's crazy. Um, looks like me and like. So apparently she had been hitting up my ex Mm
0: -hmm. for like two, three years on Facebook. Wow. Trying to get your name?
1: No, messaging my ex. And my ex was never looking at the messages
0: because they go into the other folder. Yeah. When you don't like not friends with someone.
1: And when she had finally found her, she said she was trying like once a year and she was searching and she was watching videos of, she knew she was adopted and she was watching videos of people that were reunited with their families on YouTube.
0: Mm -hmm. And she
1: was like getting envious of it. She just wanted to know. And her mom said to her, her mom said, don't be surprised if your dad's dead because he was really bad. Wow. And she finally, she, she responded to her and she said, do you know who I am? And she even commented on some of her pictures. She uh-huh. was like, hey, this is, contact me, check your messenger. And, <laughs> oh she, my wouldn't, God. and she wouldn't do it. And she said, uh, do, you know, do you know who I am? And she goes, yeah, your name's Katie. You used to date my dad. And I'm like, you know, there's my ex telling her this. Uh-huh. And she's like, no, I'm your daughter. And she started talking to her. So that I, I messaged her and I was like, Can I talk to you on the phone? And I, I got to talk to her that night. She called me. I started like I started this podcast with you. I started from, I'm from New England and this is my life. Wow. And I told her all about me. And at the end, I said, Is there any questions? And she goes, You covered everything. <laughs> and I was like, I've been, you've been the missing piece of my life. I've, I've, I've craved for you every day. Yeah, and uh, she is a staple in our house. Like she's, um, every night, tonight we'll be on video chat. Um, she'll be cool. listening to this soon. She is very, very close with my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, I, when I first went on dates with Sarah, I had said, listen, I have a little girl and if I ever find her, how do you feel about that? She's like, she's going to be my kid. I was wow. like, all right. And yeah, Sarah's like, that's her, that's her oldest stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like big with her. Lo- love, they're really tight. That's I'm cool. shocked if they're not on right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um and she was just like in the shoes and, and a straight A student mm-hmm. into horses, loves horses. And I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And I got to meet her. I got to right before uh this was it the, i met her maybe a little bit before december 18th december oh tw- no 23rd 18th I, I remember it
0: was tw- right before christmas yeah
1: in 23rd i went up and that's the video of me wow. and her seeing each other for the first time and, and I,
0: you well, know that's why it's so important not to leave before the miracle yeah that, yeah yeah
1: exactly like and um the whew, she uh so my my 12 years um I, she had, we, I had seen her, and we went up in this uh, Ferris wheel. And on the Ferris wheel, she said, um, she said, uh, will you take the ride on the Ferris wheel with me? And I went up there, and uh, she reached into her pocket, and she had ordered a 12-year medallion. And she said, I just want you to know, were you being clean? This is possible today. Hmm. And I fell, I, like, cry my eyes yeah. Out again. Yeah.
0: Imagine if the day you walked in with the trash bag, not knowing anything or anyone, someone said, hey, man, in 12 years, you're going to be a multimillionaire on a Ferris wheel meeting your daughter and she'd be giving you your coin.
1: Uh, I would have fucking. Said, what, are you, what are you smoking? <laughs> yeah. Pass yeah, that yeah, give me, give me some of that. Yeah, you
0: know? it's crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah. And like, that's my whole goal of the podcast is because like I hear stories online or like uh, videos or what. I'm like, bro, I know people in real life that got cooler stories than that. You know, like there are so many real stories that we know that are like validated, confirmed. Yeah, I saw the whole thing in front of my eyes that are like true stories that could be movies. The thing about it is,
1: is that uh, if you, if you remain humble. Like a lot of times um, with me, I show people like, look, this is where I'm at in life. And, and, and people misconstrue that as like, oh, he's bragging or something. I'm like, no, if my fucking dumbass did it at 35 when I got clean till now, mm-hmm. what do you think you could do at 20 years old getting clean? Yeah. And I'm like, I would give you all this if I could just be 20 again. <laughs> like I would walk out of here butt ass naked. I'd, <laughs> I'd want my wife and my kids, but you could have every fucking thing else. If I could be 20 again, because I know what I'm going to obtain. Imagine if I, at 20, get Mm -hmm. to a sign, and people just get into their their own self and they don't want to help they don't want to give back Mm -hmm. um the biggest like gift to me is like um through the years of sponsoring guys that never could get clean and being in treatment centers fucking 12 times 10 times and then they hang out with you and realize like holy shit this guy's fucking crazy as Mm -hmm. fuck but he's clean he's having this blast doing this and staying clean and then telling their mom like yo you don't need to pay for my halfway because i got a job now mom and Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, I'm going to be at the Fairman's house. And, you know, and so stuff like that. And the gifts of mothers and family members contacting me or coming to see their kid from another state. And the first thing they got off the plane was like, where is this kid at? And they come and hug me and say, mm-hmm. you were there and you were an angel. And I'm not. I'm, I'm far from. But I'm the vessel mm-hmm. that just is trying to do the work that was so freely given to me. Mm-hmm. Something that was passed on through my predecessors, yeah. I need to continue to pass on. And a lot of us get away from that. And money, property, prestige, and of course it's with myself included, becomes a major factor, because that's what we are as human beings. Mm-hmm. It's about money, property, prestige, money, property, prestige. And we have to step back from that. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Do I, do I still do the same things I did in recovery? Absolutely. I don't litter. I give my to society continues my amends to my grandmother continues by me staying clean I'm a big guy about putting the shopping cart back no matter fucking <laughs> what I have rain if I park at the end of the park I've gotten slicker through the years where I park where the car carriage return is so I could just push it right <laughs> in right there but um some kid was in my car last week and we're driving away and i hear like his window open and a fucking bottle like i look back and i see a plastic Mm -hmm. bottle like on this i'm like yo did you just fucking litter and he's like yeah and i u-turned i was like get the fuck out and get it and he was like what and i was like yo this earth's dirty enough like we don't Mm -hmm. need this stuff and and wow it's just for me i mean i'm excited to see what the next 10 to 12 years Mm -hmm. brings yeah, you know, like, and what my wife and I are starting to talk about. All right, what other businesses now that we want to do? What do we want to go about? It's insane, man. It's insane, you know it's life is beautiful mm-hmm. and, and it's not just just for me it could be for anyone it's the time the work the energy but most importantly you got to put recovery first mm-hmm. and you can't you got to realize that when you get in here you can't put on your cape and think you're, you know i'm gonna go captain save the save the hole. Hole. yeah mm-hmm. Sabo. or my wife and i have this pack that like okay if one of us uses we split the house the using one gets the outside and the one that didn't gets the inside <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. or 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 our friends that are in recovery are the ones that we're gonna go to and we're not gonna try to get involved in each other's shit, Mm -hmm. you know? And the highs of seeing my kid, like my little boy, having a junior, that's like crazy. Yeah, Yeah, having a junior, Mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, the Irish, we believe that you die twice. You die when you actually die and you die when the last person on earth ever mentions your name. Mm -hmm. So that continues for me. I'm mean, huge into comic books. My whole back's tatted with Spider-Man mm-hmm. and Carnage. And see him like obsessed with Spider-Man. I'm like, oh man, that high is just so like an amazing. Like mm-hmm. the other day, I brought them to the fair, and they were freaking out. And uh, they have no idea this weekend that we're, wake, uh, we're picking them up early from school on Friday and going to Disney.
0: Nice. You know,
1: so I, I mean, I'm, I live at Disney now. Mm. Um, I, I want to go more than the whole family. Truth be told, like I'm a huge in Disney guy. <laughs> Um, That's cool. It's incredible. I love it. You know, I couldn't be here at night doing something like this if it was the way mm-hmm. I used to be. I would have robbed your mics.
0: <laughs> yeah. They're expensive. <laughs> well, bro, I appreciate you coming out. I know you're super busy, man. The fact that you made time just to do this, you know, like I told you in the beginning, like my goal was to really get people's stories out there that I think are impactful. And like, to be honest with you, in the 13 years I've been clean, you're one of the most impactful person in the program that I know. You know, and I just want to say I appreciate you. Thank you.
1: No problem. Anytime. Thank you.
0: This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 888-699-9395 to speak to a specialist. This show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.